This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Those are the words of John, who was Jesus' best earthly friend. Anybody have a best friend here? Anybody, a few of you do? Yeah, yeah, best friends are, are good. They're important to have. Uh, we all need them, right? Because your best friends are those people who, you know, they know you. They know how dumb you can be sometimes. And they're still willing to be seen with you in public, right? That is a gift right there. And John was a best friend to Jesus. And so we're going to be studying this book, this, these books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, these epistles that John wrote. As, as we do, we are going to be learning from a man who knew Jesus better than any other human being has ever known him. For John truly walked with Jesus. That's why he's able to say that it's the one who he had seen, the one who he heard, the one who he touched with his own hand. He knew Jesus very well. I'm excited about this new series because we're going to come to know Jesus and we're going to come to understand our faith better as we understand it through the eyes of his best earthly friend. My name is John Ferguson. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. Just an honor to get to uh, bring God's word to you today. Whether you're here with us in the sanctuary, whether you're worshiping with us online, I especially want to welcome those who are used to worshiping with us at 8.30 online, and thank you for making the adjustment. We really do believe that this is going to be a great improvement. Uh, to the audio and video quality of our services, and that's really important to us uh, because our online congregation is very, very important to us. So we are so thankful uh, that you've jo joined us today. You know, John is a, he's an interesting guy because he gets an early start with Jesus. Probably late in his teen years or early 20s, uh, John meets Jesus by the lakeside. Uh, John, was, because his dad uh, was a fisherman, and so John and his brother James were fishermen there along with dad. Uh, they were set up quite well, really, because dad's business was successful. There were multiple fishing boats, so they were going to, uh, they had a good future ahead of them in terms of business and work. Yet one day Jesus comes by and he says to him, why don't you leave these nets behind? Come, follow me, and I'll help you fish for people. What an interesting and crazy idea. I mean, to leave a secure business that you've known and done well in and to go out and to a new venture, to follow a teacher who you really don't know, but there's something in your spirit that says you need to do this. John was a guy who perhaps had been a little bit impulsive. He and his brother James, they had a nickname. Anybody know it? They were the sons of Thunder, that's right, the sons of thunder. 
If I was going to start a motorcycle gang, it would be the Sons of Thunder. Now I just need to learn to ride a motorcycle, right? But I've got the branding taken care of, at least. The Sons of Thunder, tough guys. Guys who may have been a little bit impulsive or a little bit likely to fly off the handle. These were James and John, and Jesus called them. John knew Jesus so well. John was, of course, like I said, he was the beloved disciple, as he referred to himself as. John was the one who was with Jesus on so many special occasions. The transfiguration, right, where Jesus took them up on the mountain, Peter, James, and John, and they see Jesus, he starts glowing, right? And Moses and Elijah come down, and they're all conversing right there. What a day. John was the one who was there at the Last Supper, who leaned up against Jesus, as Jesus gave us this gift that we will celebrate today, this gift of Holy Communion. That's John. John was the one who, when many of the other disciples had ran away, John actually went to the cross, and he stood there and watched his Lord suffer and die. It was John who Jesus looked down on and said, John, would you take care of Mom? Would you take care of Mary? Jesus had earthly brothers. He could ask them, but no. He puts John in charge. Truly, John was close to Jesus. So we, we hear these words and, and the words of the Gospel of John and the words of the book of Revelation, which John also penned, having seen a vision that Jesus gave him. And we get to know John quite a bit better, but really Jesus quite a bit better. John had an interesting life. He was the only disciple who uh, the only of the remaining 11, who was not martyred. Now, don't think he had it easy, though. Church tradition tells us that John was boiled alive and survived. Eek, that sounds terrible. And then he was sent to the Isle of Patmos, a, a prison colony of sorts, where Jesus came, the risen Christ came and met him and gave him the vision of the book of Revelation. This is John. He knew Jesus oh so well. So John had personal experience, and he gives us kind of an invitation into the family right off the bat. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, he says, We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So in other words, you have God the Father, you have God the Son. We are in fellowship. We're part of the family with them, and we invite you to join the family with us. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, you're adopted in as God's daughter, as God's son. You're not a, an outsider. You're not a, a servant. You are a son, a daughter. This is the relationship that Jesus invites us to. It's why we, when we sing the song, the hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, we sing, God our Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine. This is what God, God invites you into. And it's not just a one-time decision. Following Jesus isn't just a one-time thing that you decide and then you're done. That's a start. That's how you enter the family. But that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. Because, you know, you can be in the family but not really enjoying family life. You know, like... Our little friend here face down on the side in the old 80s family photo, right? You can be part of the family but not really enjoying it. 
You know what I'm talking about. You could be legally married to somebody, but love has passed long ago. It's not really a great way of being in the family. Or you can be the son or daughter of somebody, but you never talk to them anymore. There's so much distance. Or perhaps you have people in your family that you just don't see anymore because of tension. Or maybe when you do see them, it's just always like this. You can be part of the family, but not really enjoying family life. And yet John is going to invite us to something better than that. John is going to invite us to step in by faith, to step into God's light, and to be transformed, to become part of the family in a life-transformative kind of way. How do you avoid being a a distant part of the family, the, the one face down in the grass throwing the tantrum? How do you avoid this? Well, it has a lot with how we choose to deal with sin, because the Bible's real clear. We all do it. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. Don't pretend like you're not, right? Doesn't do any good. That makes us a liar, John will tell us in a little bit. So we need to be saved. We need Jesus' perfect sacrifice to to save us. And, And so with sin, we don't ignore it. We don't try to just sweep it under the rug, pretend like it's not there. No, we need it to be dealt with because God's perfect and and we're not. And sin, it, it breaks our relationship with God. Again, not, not that when we sin that God casts us aside, but it causes division. The Bible tells us that our sins have separated us from our God. So John writes this in verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. He's pretty direct, wouldn't you say? He invites us to leave the darkness and to walk in the light. What an awesome metaphor for for stepping out of sin and stepping into a new way of living. We all know what it's like to walk around in some darkness, don't we? I mean, you've had that time where you wake up in the middle of the night, maybe it's 3 a.m. and nature calls, right? You're, not, you're trying to leave the lights off so you don't, you know, wake yourself up or wake your family up and you stub your toe on that pesky piece of furniture that's always there, right? Or perhaps you, you step on one of the devil's little rocks that he leaves laying around your house. He and his little preschool demons are always doing that just to trip you up, right? Oh, there's nothing like the pain of stepping on a Lego in the dark, let me tell you. You've got to turn on the light. You don't want to live in the darkness. It doesn't make any sense. And John invites us to do the same thing. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now that's interesting. Maybe we would have thought that, that he would have said that if we're walking in the light that we won't be sinning. But He says that when we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. It's a purifying kind of thing. You see, when you're willing to be honest about your sin, God will deal with it. God will help you deal with it. He will change you. 
th think about it this way. How many of us here today, it's okay to admit this in church, how many of you hate going to the dentist? Anybody hate going to the dentist? Yeah. We're not saying we hate the dentist himself, right? That's a different issue. But we hate going to the dentist. I was just at Salem sharing this, and in the front row was a dentist, right? I think he was deeply offended by all the people who seemed to hate him around, right? But it's kind of a common thing. You know, we, we go to the dentist, not many folks like it, right? And maybe you've been in the waiting room sometimes and you've just had a, a deeply moving spiritual experience, right? Where you begin to pray and say, God, if you get me through this today with no cavities, no root canals, I will go to Africa for you, God. I'll go to Africa. Just get me through this today, right? It's a scary thing. Most of us, we, we don't like it, right? It's, it's a, a kind of a difficult place sometimes. And, and I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a dental insider, I have to tell you, okay? My wife is a hygienist, and so I know some of their little tricks. And let me tell you, they have tricks, right? You go in, and they, they try to make you feel all comfortable, like it's going to be okay, right? Like they're walking you back, and they try to chat you up a little bit, like, hey, how you doing? How's your week been, right? And you're like, oh, it's great. I, Thursday night, I got to go watch the Bengals win. Oh, what a great game, right? And then they sit you down in the chair, and they start talking, and you don't get to talk anymore, Right? Because they got, you know, and so now you just have to listen to everything that they've got to say. And they're like, really? Oh, that's great. You know, I don't know a lot about sports, but I remember watching sports growing up. I used to watch the Bengals with my dad, and I used to watch Pete Rose kick lots of touchdowns, and it was great. And you're like, and you can't say anything, right? Because that's how they want it. See, that's how they want it. They do the talking, you do the listening, right? I know always how to know when I'm in trouble at home. It's when Jennifer looks at me and says, time for a teeth cleaning. Not good, right? It's lecture time. But, you know, this is, they've got these tricks, right? But, but best of all is, is this one here. They, they've got this thing because you, you come in and they start asking you questions, right? And you start lying, right? They say things like, how often do you floss? And you say, Five times a day I floss, right? Because you read the poster that says you should floss daily and you decide to step it up a little, right? Clearly. And they say things like, wow, you're one of our best patients here. And they're also lying. <laughs> because they don't believe a word you're saying. You know why? Because they know that in a minute they're going to put on the light of truth. Professional term for it is loops, but I like to call it the light of truth, right? I'm going to be careful with these things because if I break my wife's loops, it'll cost me $3,000, and I'm not exaggerating. So these things give them kind of superpowers, you know, because they, they've got this magnification built specifically for your hygienist, and they've got this light that's really quite bright when it's focused just on your teeth in front of them, and they can see it all. And no matter what you said to them, they know what's true and what's not true, right? They come up and say, well, let me see, ma'am. Ooh, corn on the cob last night, a very healthy choice. And oh, 
Oreos for breakfast. I don't know if that's probably the best choice, right? The light of truth, right? And this is why we don't like going to the dentist. Why is it? Why is it that we lie to dentists? Why is it that we lie to lawyers, doctors, other people that we hardly even know, police officers when we've been pulled over? It's scary stepping into the light, isn't it? There's something about living in the darkness that's comfortable. Not because it's good, but because we know it. We're familiar with it. And maybe for you, you say, (laughs) step into the light, no thanks. That sounds like shame and guilt. I've done stuff I'm embarrassed by. I I don't want to step into the light because... Maybe, other, maybe others would find out stuff I don't want them to know. Maybe God would reject me. Maybe others would reject me. It's risky. It seems scary. But you know, friends, I have good news for you today. The light of Christ is not a shaming light. It's a healing light. It's a light that doesn't bring, doesn't hold us back and chain us up. No, it brings freedom. When you get things into the light, they can be dealt with. You know, when they shine that light on your teeth and they actually see what's going on, that's how we can deal with the toothache. That's how we can deal with the problems. We got to start by bringing them into the light. John said it this way, verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here's the hope, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all sin unrighteousness. But if we claim that we haven't sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. In other words, if you're willing to step into the light, there is hope. So how do we do it? Let's get practical here. How do we step into this light? Well, the first thing is, as I look at my sin, I've got to recognize my sin. Just to admit, yeah, I sin. Those things are not like just less than ideal or slight imperfections or a little worse than my neighbor. No, call it what God calls it, sin. If it's contrary to God's call, contrary to God's will, it's sin. Recognize it. The second thing we do is that we confess our sins, right? Confession is simply agreement with God that God, yes, uh, I agree that this is sin and, and I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't do it. I, I'm sorry. And third is really important. The Bible calls it repent. That's a big word. I'd call it just turning from your sin. It's like I'm heading this direction, this sinful direction, and I do a about face, right? And I go the other direction. I head back in the direction God's calling us to. It's a kind of almost like a military type of turn, right? An about face spiritually. That's what repentance is. But, but fourth and finally, not just turn away from my sin. I was counting on you to give me the bullet. 
See, now you know that I didn't know the bullet, right? <laughs> Replace the, light, the darkness of my sin with the light of Christ. I make it really hard on the people running the buttons because I do it differently every single service, right? So they never know when I want them to push the button or not push the button, but you know, it's okay. I replace the darkness of my sin with the light of Christ. That's important. Like for example, if you go and clean out a closet at your house and you don't put other things in there that should be in there, what happens? <laughs> Gets full of all the same junk again in about a week or two, right? You gotta replace it with the right stuff. Same's true in our walk with, God, with Christ. If we confess our sins, we turn from sin, but we don't replace it with the good things God's calling us to, very quickly we'll find ourselves right back where we were. See, God's standard is perfection, and you and I aren't quite there, are we? God knows that we are spiritually under construction, so he gives us his grace to help us to be more and more like he is, to grow in that sanctifying grace. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Isn't that amazing? We, when you sin, you're, you're not kicked out of the family, okay? Like it says in the previous verses, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that you can be forgiven. The sins that you confess, every sin that's brought to mind, you should confess it. And the ones that aren't brought to mind, God forgives those too, okay? It's not like a works righteousness where God only forgives the sins I confess. I, I'm not gonna remember all of them. But if they're brought to mind by the Holy Spirit, I confess them. I, I, I repent, I turn from my sin, and I replace that darkness of sin with the light of Jesus. Now you might say, well, I thought we were saved by grace and we didn't earn it, so why does it matter if I, if I live like Jesus lived? Well, Matthew 7 says this, by their fruit you will recognize them. And James 2 says, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied, accompanied by action, is dead. It's really similar when you think about to human relationships. I mean, if you say that you're in a relationship, but there's no evidence, at very least, that relationship doesn't mean much to you. Maybe you're technically there, but I mean, I can tell you that I'm married to Jennifer, I can show you a ring, I can show you a marriage certificate from 20 years ago, but if you see the two of us together and we act like we can't stand each other, you're not really going to buy it. Yeah, maybe technically married, but what kind of relationship is that? God invites you to something better. Not a technical relationship, a real life-changing relationship of love where you step into the light and the light exposes what's wrong and gives you the opportunity to confess it, to be forgiven, to turn, and to be different. God offers you a better way. For so many of us, we're, we continue to live in the darkness because we're scared. And I challenge you today, have some courage. Step into the light. 
Do, do you think it's possible that maybe, just maybe, the creator of the universe knows you better than you know you? That maybe, maybe God's ways could be better than your ways? That God's call could bring you to something better? In a little bit, I'm going to pray and invite you to step into the light of Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. For the first time today, you could give your life to him right here. And we'll have prayer folks up front after the service. You want to come forward and pray. We would love to pray with you for whatever reason. But one more thing. John has been talking to us about, you know, we've been talking about the first half and second half of the gospel. We love God and we love others. You, you don't get either or, okay? It's a both and kind of thing. And John conveys it here in chapter two. I'll skip a few verses. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing that can make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. We love others. We love God and we love others. I think that's an interesting metaphor. Blinded by darkness. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've been walking in the dark for so long, you just don't see it anymore. Why don't you step in the light of Jesus today? Jesus, we need you. <coughs> we need you every day, every moment, every hour. God, I pray that you would come into our hearts. And maybe we've never prayed that prayer, prayer before. God, I pray that for those who haven't, maybe today they'd say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Forgive me of all I've done that is not aligned with your word. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I want you to be the leader of my life. I confess that I've messed it up, I've gotten it wrong, but Jesus, I put my trust in you, for you are good. And Lord, I pray that that you'd come into my life and forgive me and heal me and change me.